This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Well, first, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys, you help make this show possible and we truly appreciate you. Thank you. A special thanks to our February sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. Yay, Wendy! Not only is Wendy a writer, she also produces a weekly short inspirational podcast called Hope Walking with Wendy. You can find it on Spotify and at her website. And I am excited that I will be teaching at the West Coast Christian Writers Conference, February 25th through 27th, so that's coming up real soon. I'll be doing podcasting to build your platform, and did God really ask you to write? So there's still time to register, and there's lots of cool videos there. It's all online. I hope you guys will join me. And for more information, you can go to westcoastchristianwriters.com. Aaron and I have been sharing the little wonders that God is giving us. My wonder is tied to a really hard thing. I think I mentioned to all of you that beginning of October, my older brother died unexpectedly. And just a couple of days later, we lost our little three-year-old Corgi Boston Terrier mix radar. He ruptured a disc in his back. So we had to put him down, which was unbelievably difficult on top of losing my brother. Well, since then, uh, the wonder is that Kirby, our purebred corgi, who's between 11 and 12, has suddenly turned into a puppy again. (laughs) He wants to play. um, He wants to go for walks. He gets all excited. He dances like crazy when it's time to feed him. Clearly, this is a dog who loves being the only dog in the household, and he gets to go between Don and me and ask for pets and snuggles, and he has gotten a lot more demanding, and so we're having to work with him on that. But it's been fun to watch him just blooming again and being like he was when we first got him some 11 years ago. So I really miss Radar, and I will always miss Radar, but it's it's been a wonder to see how Kirby is just branching out and, and really loving being an only dog, for That's now very, anyway. That's very cool. <laughs> I love that he takes you on walks. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> and now, here's, here's the, the show! show. Hey there, we're venturing into the deep again, and we are so glad that you're here with us, especially because, yes, it's true, we have a guest. (laughs) And not just any guest, we have the amazing Thomas Umstead Jr., and I'll let Aaron introduce him like he needs it, but I'll let Aaron introduce him. (laughs) I'll tell you, it feels like I've known Thomas almost as long as I've been writing because I met him at one of my very first writing conferences that I went to, and back then he was building websites, and very well, I might say, and helping authors connect with their audiences, and since then, he has become an award-winning speaker. Um, He's been teaching creative people all over the world how 
how to build their platforms, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. He's also authored a book, Courtship in Crisis, and he's had experience as a literary agent with the Steve Lobby Agency. And if that's not enough, guys, as a podcaster, he hosts the Novel Marketing Podcast, which we'll have a link to, and we recommend that for everyone. And he also hosts the Christian Publishing Show, another great show. Uh, right now, he serves as the CEO of Author Media. We're just delighted to have you with us, Thomas. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Yes, we are too. And so, as we always like to start, um, what does the deep mean to you today as things come and go? It might have a different meaning every day. So, so today, Thomas, what does the deep mean to you? I think it's anchoring. It's how deep your roots are. And you know, I think of a palm tree, you know, there's not a whole lot going on above the surface. It's just a, a single branch. But underneath, and palm trees go about as deep into the sand as they go up. They're very different mm -hmm. from redwoods in that way. So redwood oh, yeah. trees don't go very deep, but they connect to each other. And they rely on community for their strength. Palm trees are able to stand on their own even in a hurricane. So you'll see a palm tree bend you know, almost flat with the ground. And then when the wind stops blowing, it pops right back up because it's oh. got that deep a root system, even though it's planted in the sand, which you wouldn't think of as a strong foundation, but its roots are deep enough uh, to make it work. And uh, right now, life is kind of crazy and crazy in the world. It's crazy in my personal life. We're moving right now and I'm moving my office. And uh, yeah, you know, what is deep is what uh, remains when the wind is done blowing. Yeah. Amen. I love that. And I'll just say that Thomas has been very brave because he's moving with his family, uh, little kids. It's tough to move with little kids. Even when you're not outnumbered yet, you and your wife have two kids, so you're not outnumbered. But that still, it is so hard with them being so young. So you're brave, Thomas. <laughs> and of course, that's good. I'm, I mentioned brave because that's kind of what we want to talk about with you today, Thomas. We want to talk about courage and courage for writers. And let's just start that with what, what do you think courage is? How would you define courage? So courage is being afraid. You can't mm. be courageous without first being afraid. And there's a distinction between courage and boldness. Uh, boldness, which you see often in the Bible, the Holy Spirit will come on somebody and they will do something without any fear at all. And there are times in our life when we experience boldness, and some people are bolder than others. Karen? But courage. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, some people are incapable of really experiencing fear. It's just not a thing that they experience, and, and that can be its own you know, risk. Uh, but other people experience a lot of fear, and um, courage is doing the right thing anyway. It, it's not letting the fear control you. And there's something really special about courage because the easiest way to be bold is to be ignorant of the risk. You have no idea that there was a chasm there and so you're walking without fear. Whereas courage is you know that there's a chasm there, but you're walking there anyway. Hmm. Well, there's a terrific book out there that I read a number of years ago called uh, The Courage to Write. And the subtitle is How Writers Transcend Fear. I absolutely loved that book when I read it because I can tell you probably every single writer that I have worked with has that element of fear and insecurity and they want to make it better and, and yet they feel like they can't make it better and how did they beat their last success? And, and Keyes tells the story of E.B. White, who you know was an amazing 
amazing writer. And he says that E.B. White was a consummate rewriter, that he would rewrite things 5, 10, 20, 30 times and never wanted to let them go. In fact, he wanted to rewrite so much that often after he had mailed the manuscript, he would return so that he could go to the, the postmaster and asked if they would give him his book back so that he could rewrite some more. But in addition to being a consummate rewriter, he was a gifted procrastinator. And so he often managed to avoid the trauma of writing altogether until he had to do it and he didn't have any choice. And he said that he was the most frightened person in the world. He wrote, the old emptiness and dizziness and vapor seized hold of me when he was trying to write. Nobody who has never suffered my peculiar kind of disability can understand the sheer hell of such moments. So all of that is talking about fear and the necessity for courage as we write and share what God has asked us to share. Yeah. Yeah. Procrastination really is often, it's just fear. Sometimes it's a time management uh, technique that we use to determine if something really needs to be done. Cause often we procrastinate things that we never end up doing. We deep down know this task doesn't need to be done. So we put it off. But for writers, we know the writing needs to happen. And so mm-hmm. when we procrastinate, it's fear. And uh, writer's block, which is a new term. You know what they used to call writer's block back in the day? What? Fear. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> it's just a fancy term for somebody who's ashamed of being afraid. And they're like, oh, it's it's not that I'm you know afraid to move forward or afraid to write bad words. Uh, you know, I, I just I, I just have writer's block. It's, it's unique <laughs> to me. And Ernest Hemingway, it's like, no, it's just fear. Uh, you, you, uh, if you want to write, you have to write and no other profession has, you know, dentists block or doctors block or bricklayers <laughs> block because in those other professions, they have something that casts out their fear, which is another fear, which is the fear of the boss. Right. Yes. And that's why you journalists don't get writer's block. Right. Because they have real deadlines. The paper is going out on the, there's a printing press. that's going to print the paper at five o'clock. You have to have your article in by 4.30 to get it printed. And if not, there are consequences. And that greater fear casts out the letter, lesser fear of writing something terrible. And I've noticed something working with authors, that journalists or people with a journalism background, a, a real one where they actually worked at a journalistic outlet, not just a, a degree. They are faster with writing and they complain far less about writer's block because they've learned to overcome that fear because they have a bigger fear of missing the deadline. Wow. Well, what else do you think writers fear? I mean, I'm sure there's there's lots and lots of things that you could come up with that they fear. Rejection, maybe. I don't know. But in your working with writers, what do you hear most? There's two places I see fear really getting in the way for writers. And the first is in the writing, which we've already talked about, and it's the procrastination. But it's more than that. It actually affects the craft itself. Um there is a fear of offense, of giving offense and making hmm. people mad. And authors who are writing with that fear often fill their writing with so many qualifications and um, <laughs> fluff words, or they speak so indirectly that no one understands what they're saying, and they end up taking all of the power out of their craft because they're afraid. And, and deep down, they're afraid to be understood. And if you're afraid to be understood... You'll never make it as a writer. <laughs> the act of writing is all about being understood. You have to be willing to be understood, and that requires courage because you will make people angry. And uh, you know, especially nowadays, it doesn't take much for somebody to be like, "Oh, 
I'm offended. It's like, <laughs> okay, that's nice for you. How is that my problem? You're right. You have to eventually get to that point where you're not letting someone else's offense control your life. And, you know, it does take wisdom because sometimes there's some good feedback that comes in. But nowadays, um, being offended is such a powerful uh, manipulation, a yes. tool of manipulation of somebody to manipulate you into being more like them uh, by, you know, anything that you do that's different, any element of diversity you have that breaks from their way of thinking offends them and they're trying to control you. And it takes courage to stand up to that. What about, you know, when you say that they're afraid to be understood, isn't there an element also of rejection there? If they understood me and this is what I truly believe, they can reject that. Yeah, especially if somebody really identifies with their ideas, where they see them as part of themselves rather as the separate entity. So some people think of their ideas as this thing that exists, and it's like, hey, what do you think of this idea? And it gets criticism, like, oh, you know, I'll come up with a better idea. Other people, it's like, this idea is me, right? It's, if you offend or if you insult my ideas, you're insulting me. And right. yeah, that can be really scary to put your ideas out there if that's how you view your ideas as an extension of yourself. And you have to kind of decide, am, am, where do I get my value? Does my value come from having good ideas or does my value come from something else that's more substantive? Because I'll tell you, you have some really bad ideas. I have some really bad ideas. We all have really bad ideas. If that's, <laughs> that's your like, source of psychological validation, it's going to be a really tough road ahead because, one, you'll either refuse to let your ideas change as you like learn and now you're not maturing, you're not gaining wisdom, you're staying just as stupid and ignorant as you were, and that's really a terrible way to live, right? Because we're hopefully gaining wisdom as we grow older. Um, so, or you're just feeling terrible. You're like, oh my gosh, everything I knew is wrong, and you throw it all out and you start over from scratch, which again is not gaining in wisdom. Right, right. Well, and also if somebody is going to you know, I guess, reject your writing, at least it forces you to look at those ideas and decide, you know, and think about your ideas again and reconsider them in light of somebody else's argument. I think those are good things. What would you say then to the writer who has trouble just not necessarily separating themselves from their ideas, but separating themselves from their ability to write? So they they're afraid that they stink at writing. How do you help them with that? Well, you do stink at your writing. There you go. <laughs> if you have that fear, you do. Like, and most people aren't very good writers. And it takes a lot of work to get good. There's a meme going around TikTok and Instagram right now. And it's like the one wholesome meme of 2021. <laughs> and it is to get good at something you must practice that thing or something along those lines. And then the person's like, I tried it once and I was terrible and so I'm quitting. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> to get good at something, you must practice that thing. And the reality is you're not good at writing. And the way to get better is through practice and through training. You get a mentorship, you read books, and you do the work. It takes a long time to get good at writing. And just embrace it and see it as a thing that you do rather than an identity that you take on and, and evaluate why you got into this in the first place. Cause I noticed a lot of people they're writing cause they want a legacy. They're writing cause they want to be somebody. And those are often the ones who struggle the most with insecurity. Whereas if you're writing because you want to do something, because you want to reach a group of people and you want to minister to those people, you want to get as good as you possibly can. So you could minister to those 
your readers as well as you possibly can. And you welcome feedback and you welcome that criticism because it allows you to minister better. And that mindset of, am I in this for me or am I in this for others, really affects how you handle feedback. Um, it's also, I see it a lot with people who get into it thinking that it's a good way to make fast money, which shows an unbelievable misunderstanding of both what writing and publishing are, but they get into it to make money. And so when the contracts don't come and, and, um, agents say no, and editors say no, they then get angry based on their fear and say, well, these people don't know what they're doing, so I'm just going to self-publish. And then they jump into self-publishing and it doesn't go anywhere. And then they get angry and discouraged and blame it on everybody else. So it's about motivation. Like you said, am I doing this for me or am I doing this for others? But also what is the, what is the purpose from the standpoint of, are you doing this so that you can make money and be famous? Um, if that's the case, then forget it. It's not going to work out that way because you, if you're doing that, you're not going to be willing to be vulnerable. And if you're not vulnerable, your writing will not touch anybody. And there are easier ways to become famous than writing. Writing oh, yes. is a really hard way to become <laughs> famous. It is. It's a devastating career. It's one where rejection is part and parcel of the work and nobody in any other career, there is no surgeon that will come and stand next to another surgeon and say, I really don't think you should have done that with that particular vein. Now, if I were doing that surgery, this is what I would do and come in and change the surgery. But lots of people will read your book and say, I could have written that better. So it's, it's a tough career. It's tough on your heart and your spirit. Yeah, it's kind of like being an offensive coordinator in football. Everyone thinks that they can pick good plays, right? And on Monday morning, everyone's criticizing the offensive coordinator for picking right. the wrong plays. And going back to your example, you know, it is possible that a, another surgeon might give another surgeon feedback. It's like, oh, you should have done the vein over here. But what's different is that in writing, it's not the other surgeon that's giving you feedback. It's the patient who doesn't know anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I think you did this. And they're wrong or they don't know. And yet they're the ones who are giving you uh, the feedback. And it's really easy to judge yourself based off of what they're saying. What would you want to tell to a writer that just, they, they feel like they want to write, they, they feel like God's called them to write, and then they struggle with, with the self-doubt of, you know, oh, I don't have anything to say, or what could someone possibly want to hear from me? Well, there's two things that cast out fear, and I want to share those with you first. But first, I want to go back. If, if you don't know what you're going to say, you're not ready to start writing. You're ready to start practicing your craft, but you're not really ready to start writing. I really believe you have to have a message. You have to have a story in your heart. And that's before you're ready to actually do the work. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't know what um, sport I want to do in the Olympics. It's like, okay, <laughs> you're not ready for the Olympics yet. Uh, but you are ready to start training, right? All Olympians run, all Olympians do weight. So you can do kind of basic training. But the kind of writer you need to be if you're wanting to write mysteries, is very different than the kind of writer you need to be if you're writing theological um, breakdowns of the Book of Romans, right? It, it's kind of like on a football team. You have the guys who are skinny and fast, and you have the really got big guys that are really hard to run around, right? The refrigerator. And, you remember yeah. him? 
the, the human Perry. walls and, yes, and they serve yes. a different role. <laughs> and as a writer, you need to know if you're trying to be a human wall or the skinny fast guy. And, and cause you train differently depending on, on what that role is going to be. And so if you don't know what you're wanting to say, you're not ready to, to start writing something for publication. What I would say is write for practice, write short stories, get to know what a good sentence is, get to know what a good paragraph is purge passive voice purge adverbs and adjectives oh bless you <laughs> and and uh, really learn how to write well so that that's the first thing i'd say now when it comes to how do you find your courage how do you cast out fear yeah. well the first way i already alluded to one fear can cast out another fear right you're on the high dive and you're afraid to jump off and then someone cocks a shotgun behind you and says jump or i'll shoot suddenly jumping isn't as scary anymore right because you're <laughs> Um, assessment of the overall danger has shifted. Obviously, that's an extreme example, but you know that is what deadlines mean. <laughs> and in some <laughs> industries, like journalism, deadlines are real. There are real consequences for missing a deadline. In book publishing, uh, there are not real consequences for missing deadlines, at least not any major ones. Often they're like, they expect the deadline to be missed. I heard a stat something 90% of authors wow. miss their book deadlines. But what I've noticed is that the authors who make a living... I just want to stop you for a second. People don't hear that as saying it's okay to miss deadlines. It's not. I just yeah. want to stress that. It's well, not and, okay yeah, and what I was going to say is the authors who make a living at their writing, they're in that 10% that hit their deadlines. Yes. Yeah. And Because when you miss your deadline, you are subtracting your pay. Mm-hmm. Okay? So let's say you have a $10,000 advance and your deadline's in two months, okay? That means you're getting paid $5,000 a month to write your book. And you miss your deadline, and it now takes you four months to write your book instead of two months. Well, the amount of money you're now making per book has been cut by you from $5,000 a month to $2,500 a month. Right. A consequence of missing a deadline. And part of the reason why your publisher is fine with you missing their deadline is that it may mean that they don't have to pay you quite as quickly. They get to pay you with next month's money instead of this month's money. And if you really want to be a professional, if you want to be able to provide for your family, it means hitting your deadlines because uh, once you get really good and really popular, uh, there's a whole series of things that need to happen. I was talking with Jerry Jenkins and he was talking about how when he was doing the Left Behind books, they had trucks that had been reserved to take Uh shipments of books (laughs) from the printer to the warehouse. And if he missed his deadline, there were truck drivers who were getting paid to do nothing. Like Ooh, there were yeah. real consequences <laughs> to him missing his deadline. And if you want to get to that level, you have to be faithful in the little things. So right. one, fear is one way of casting out uh, f- other fear. And it's probably the most common way amongst authors where you know, fear of the deadline or fear of something else, they create some consequences for themselves. But in the Bible, we're given something else that can cast out fear. Yes. And you know what it is. It's love. <laughs> the better that you love, the less fear you will have. And if you can fall in love with your readers, if you can write your book out of love for your reader, it will uh, make the fear go away. I don't know if you can love perfectly. I don't think I can love perfectly. Maybe you can with supernatural help. But if you can, it, it the Bible tells us it casts out all fear. And then suddenly it's no longer courage, it's boldness. (laughs) You're not having to work in the midst of fear, you're having to work without fear. And so love is a really powerful thing. And so loving your reader, but also loving God. If you feel like God has called you to do this, then do this, uh, do your writing as an act of worship um, and as an act of love. I want to take us back to the causes of fear, and I think there's an extra added cause nowadays, and that's the whole idea of being canceled. 
And I don't want to get into politics, but we are seeing in social media, we're seeing in publishers who are canceling contracts with authors because the books that they want to write have a conservative focus to them. And so I've been hearing writers talking recently about, yes, but how can we write that now? Because if I write that, no publisher will ever want to touch me or the readers will come after me or, you know, it'll get my name on some list and the government will come after me. And, you know, those used to, we used to look at those as conspiracy theories, but those kinds of things are actually happening now. So I understand the source of that fear. But Isaiah 43.1 has this to say, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, he created you as a writer. He created you to do the task he gave you. Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. So if that fear comes and it hits you when you think about writing God's truth in the crazy world that we're in today, remember, God doesn't call you to back away from the hard things. He calls you to speak his truth, however he is moving you to do it. Don't pull away from doing that. Don't let fear stop you from serving. God and, and writing something that can change people's lives and help them as they face their own fears. Remember, he has summoned you by name and you belong to him. Right. That's really good. And, and remembering that, um, you know, our love for God can cast out fear, but also our fear of God can cast out fear. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and it's also, uh, it can become an all-consuming fire. Um, yes. Yeah, I agree with you, Thomas. I think sometimes we have a God that's just a little too friendly in our mind, you know, and we've we've forgotten that he's holy and that he's righteous and that he has the whole world in his hand and the whole universe. And sometimes we forget to fear, we forget to reverence that. I totally agree. Deuteronomy 31.6 is a great scripture to close out this segment. It's, it's about remembering where your fear belongs. I love the scripture that you shared, Thomas, about the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But Deuteronomy 31.6 was what he said to those building the temple, and he said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Whatever that them is for you in your life, don't be afraid or terrified of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He hasn't put you on this path to write. And then he's not going to say, oh, you're afraid? Okay, well, never mind. I'll find something else for you because I didn't realize how scary this would be for you. God knows every aspect of what's happening in your life, in your career, in your writing. He knows every aspect of what's happening in your heart, in your spirit. And he tells you, be strong and courageous in him. Fear him with wisdom. But don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Friends, you can write. You can do anything that God asks you to do because he's right there with you. He's right there beside you. He's breathing his courage into you, and you can rest in that. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm.